Welcome to the Better Together Podcast, a bunch of tech coaches bringing education together for real talk. Like peanut butter and jelly, movies and popcorn, and banana and pancakes, we're all better together. I'm Nathan, accompanied by Leslie, Pam, and Ryan, and today we're going to talk about what lessons we've learned and the things that we can bring with us as we transition from virtual instruction back to -to face-to-face or in-person instruction. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, So as we all know, it's been uh, a year since this uh, pandemic started and, and Fairfax County Public Schools kind of uh, closed down and, and went virtual. Uh, so um, I thought it'd be kind of cool if we could all kind of just share uh, our experiences kind of with um, uh, what that was like a year ago. So I know for me, I was a little oblivious to the whole thing. Uh, I got up, do my normal routine that I always do, uh, got in my car and drove to work and saw that there was nobody in the parking lot and wondered what the hell was going on. Uh, and then got on my phone, checked my email, and sure enough, I saw that we were closed. And uh, then I had to turn around and go back home and figure out what was going on and then found out where there was meetings and stuff that I had to attend and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was a bit shocking. I, I, wasn't, I knew that it was coming probably eventually, but I, I didn't uh, realize it was going to be that quick and, and kind of abrupt. So um, it was definitely shocking. And, and then trying to explain uh, to my kids and stuff as well, kind of what, what was happening and, and what they were going to be doing. So, yeah, I remember being right here in my office on that on one year ago today and students coming through and, and there was talk about it. And some of the teachers had kind of said things to the students and one girl walked through with her her book book box full of all of her stuff. And her teacher said, take this home just in case. And she looked really scared. She looked like a little overwhelmed. And I reassured her and I said, it'll be okay. It's no big deal. Like your teacher's just, just in case. And had no idea at that point that she would never come back into the building as a student at our school. She's in sixth grade. Um, and that it's just crazy what we didn't know then that we know now, right? Um, that same night I was teaching a class and during an, a Fairfax County Academy course, and we turned on the governor during the class and all, all watched it together and heard and heard them say like, there is one male from North Carolina who has the coronavirus. He is in quarantine. And again, we're like, oh my gosh, okay. There's one person in Virginia, <laughs> you know, or Fairfax County, um, which is crazy to think that where we are now. It was a, it was a very scary time, just not really knowing what was going to happen. And, and, um, you know, definitely having those moments of, of, um, like that state dependent memory of, wow, I remember that exact image or that exact, like, um, you know, what I was eating or what I was wearing or, you know, those type of things. Like I have, I'm having those like feelings, you know, a year later. And I definitely feel like how, you know, you know, Leslie and Nathan, and you were just talking about like the uncertainty and how that how scary that was and you know we're sort of getting to a point where we can move out of out of that 
feeling, you know, there's that hope feeling that we have a year later, but wow, that was, that was just a, it was the unknown was, was very scary with all of it. And, and I think about that, like, you know, having a, you know, Ryan, Nathan, Leslie and me, we represent all the different, um, you know, middle elementary and high school and how all of our students probably are processing this different based on their age. Um, I thought a lot about that um, just with, with, with everything. So yeah, one year later and we're here we are talking. I mean, think about how lighthearted our opening was on our last podcast, you know, obsessing over our cell phone cases. <laughs> now, now we're reflecting on the pandemic. <laughs> I remember um, when SARS hit in 2004, I was in Canada for like a week. I had to stay an extra 72 hours inside the Canadian border because the um, there was the outbreak in Toronto and I was in that city like literally a couple days before it all happened. So um, I remember having to stay in Niagara Falls for three days and just waiting out the, uh, you know, waiting out, getting back into the U.S. And it kind of uh, triggered those memories um, that week. We were testing for the writing SOLs that week. Um, and I literally carried around Lysol with me everywhere. I sprayed down everything. Um, I, you know, I was just, uh, you know, super, you know, I was a germaphobe to begin with, but that kind of heightened up my uh, germaphobia. So I, you know, used hand sanitizer nonstop, like every, every day, like spray down everything and wipe down everything. And, you know, it, it there's that uh, mental, you know, that mental aspect that kind of triggered from that week. And, you know, COVID-19 being an offshoot of the SARS virus, I was like, I, I remember this. And like, just uh, kind of, you know, kind of uh, triggered some memories, but I, I think I handled it in a way that at the time I wasn't sure if it was the right way. And I guess it was based on all the CDC stuff. So um, it was a pretty unique experience, you know, and seeing the kids, of course, you know, the unknown factor kids, staff, um, everyone's kind of on pins and needles waiting for, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. Because, you know, word was getting around that they were making, you know, they were considering making decisions at the school board level. And, you know, it was just a, a weird week. And then when the school finally closed that day on Friday, I believe, I just felt this sense of like, it finally happened and then kind of just came to grips with it. And, you know, obviously it, it was a different experience for everybody, but I think for me, it was, you know, it, it was quite scary because I had experienced something previously, so. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I said to my sister-in-law, like during that week, I was like, I'm gonna order extra groceries this week. And she's actually a medical professional. And she was like laughing at me. She's like, oh gosh, Leslie, like you're such a worrier. And then like two weeks later, she's like, okay, you were right. You should have ordered extra groceries. I'm like, yes, thank you. 
right? <laughs> because we didn't know. And I, I tend to be the person that worries more and I overcompensate because I'm not sure about the unknown. Um, but you know what's so crazy? So I know we now, we're a year later and all of us have students back in our buildings. Um, some of them for in-person learning. And just today we had students come for what we called like a Panther practice. They're coming to practice for next week because they're not joining us till next week. Um, and I seen some of the kids on camera, but they have grown like, and I, I'm like, who are you? Like, I know I've seen your face, but you're legit like six inches taller than you were a year ago. And it was like, I was having a hard time recognizing some of the kids just from last year. Um, but man, it made me so happy to see them and to see them in person. And even though it's weird, it somehow felt normal and good, which is, is okay for right now. So. Yes. Like the, I'm glad you brought that up, Leslie, because there's many students, especially like, I guess the middle, you know, middle school, you see a lot, like between the seventh and eighth grade year, the kids just grow up so fast. And when you, when you take the, now that we've taken this year out and then you see some of the eighth graders now, it's like, whoa, you are like, uh, yeah, you're growing. This is crazy. So, but no, I agree. It's just a great feeling. Um, you know, yes, we've been able to see them online, but seeing them in person, it's been great. And, and I wonder, you know, now that for some of the high school kids, they've been back for a couple of weeks now, well, I guess maybe some of the secondary uh, middle school students as well. But um, I wonder kind of what their thinking is and what, what they're, how they're processing being back in the building now that it's different. Because, you, you know, you've kind of equate education to look and be a certain thing. That's, that's what you've been trained to experience up until this point. And now it's so different you know you have so many different rules and so many different expectations and ways of behaving and interacting in class like i wonder how they're processing that how they're handling that situation um i would be interested to hear kind of their feedback i i can tell you one thing from you know my experience so far uh, at my school that i'm at is that the relationship building is growing again and they think that's fantastic. Like just seeing students and teachers talking in person in the hallways, like building those, you know, necessary relationships just to kind of, you know, get to know each other outside, you know, outside the camera. And I just, you know, it kind of brought back that sense of normalcy where I'm like, oh, this is great. I remember what teaching's like now. And just seeing like how impactful having those conversations can be. It's crazy too to look like I see the classes and all and at the elementary level we've got it all every desk is taped off so the kids know this is your space and all the desks are facing forward. And I'm like, well, how far backwards are we going? Like my building used to be every classroom was there was there wasn't desks. There was mostly tables and some of them were on the ground or else there was like you had this yoga ball, everybody had the flexible seating was everywhere. And now it's like all of the flexible seating stuff is stored in the extra classes that aren't being used. And they're all, you know, facing forward. It's like, you feel like you're stepping back in time. Um, and it's, it, I, today some sixth graders came and when I'm like, how you guys feeling being back in school? And they're like, it's weird. Cause it, it is, it's weird. But yet as my first grader who is, has been back now for, um, for this week at least he's like mommy it's weird but it's also still really good you know so it and from from a six seven year old's perspective 
Well, that actually, I think, and Nathan can do the official segue into our main topic for chatting on our podcast today. Mm -hmm. But no, I feel like it. we're bringing up all these things right now that lend themselves well to what we were hoping to focus on today um, during our discussion. So. So what we uh, were hoping to talk about today was um, what might be some changes in education uh, that would happen as a result of the pandemic. So we've kind of talked about our experiences and kind of a year later um, and uh, now just kind of reflecting back and thinking about uh, the good and the bad of the pandemic and what are some things that maybe might be beneficial to, to continue and, and bring forward. I mean, I think first of all, oh, sorry, but it's been um, nice during the pandemic. We've been able to probably wear different clothes that we didn't get to wear before. And maybe as we move on, we realize it's a, we can still do our jobs and not be super fancy, right? So those are positives maybe from the teacher standpoint. But I think just like this concept, I was talking to my principal the other day of like meeting with families and meeting with parents and how that could continue to be something we do virtually, right? We have all of these meetings and instead of a parent who might have to come, leave work, take off work, drive to the school, come inside and meet with, uh, you know, meet for an hour or whatever it is and then go back to work, like we'll schedule a time and you can just join us virtually. And while that might used to be kind of like a foreign thing or it might see, have seen seem weird for somebody now, I feel like for most everybody that wouldn't be scary or something that they can't do, right? Yeah, I, uh, oh. oh, you go, Nathan. Sorry. No, I'm afraid um, <laughs> so I was just gonna, I was just gonna agree. Like that was one of the things, and I don't know if that was in our coffee talk thing we did with Jason and Nishi, but they talked about something about virtual. And I said how much I appreciated like the ESPIT virtual gatherings that they've put together and how I'm much more inclined or can fit that into my schedule because it's virtual and I don't have to plan for because you know in this area traffic is so atrocious I, I don't have to plan for you know how am I going to fit this hour-long meeting in and I have to commute to and from and all this other uh, variables that happen so I definitely agree I think trying to keep some virtual stuff would be fantastic yeah um and Nathan, since you brought up, I know um, with, with Nishi, she actually, um, she and Lindsay Fisher started, they were doing a podcast, um, interestingly, podcast, uh, podcast, like kind of like a book club thing with podcasting. And so one of the podcasts was talking about like the art of gathering. And and I think this whole, the, the podcast talked a lot about like really trying to think about the purpose of your meetings and why why you're meeting. And I think like as a result of us, this ease with virtual meeting, you can reflect on like, okay, is what's the purpose of this meeting? Is there value? Oh, hey, Sharon, say hi to the podcast. You have to now, otherwise I'm going to sound like. We're podcasting. Yeah. So, so say hi. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Uh, oh, we have got lots of good things to talk about, so feel free to hang and eavesdrop. Yeah, and <laughs> chime in. Chime in. Your perspective is will be awesome too. I totally will. I'm sorry, it was a surprise that she showed up. Oh, she was coming. Oh, it's always good to see Sharon. It is. Uh, 
But yeah, no, I just think about like reflect, because I think there's so much value in meeting face to face too. Obviously, I think we've learned from the pandemic is how much we crave that interacting in person and everything. But I do think like the fact that we've discovered this ease of access with meeting virtually, um, I think it just gives us more reason to really like when, when we have a meeting coming up, is there a purpose for it being in person? You know, just really like starting to reflect on um, why we're holding meetings. There's always that people always, you know, oh, this meeting, here's a meeting that could have been an email. Like you say, people, I feel like people say that a lot. And sometimes I, sometimes the tone of it, I'm like, ah, oh. but I mean, really it's now maybe we could add another factor into it. Like this meeting could have been an email. This meeting could have been virtual. This meeting needed to be in person. So it's, it's definitely, um, and, and it ties into that, um, the art of gathering um, session, the podcast that I listened to. So I thought good points here with purpose of meetings. I feel like we can even be more productive, right? Like thinking about, I was thinking about my schedule and scheduling things. And if I have a virtual meeting that goes till whatever time, but then I can schedule a lesson that's right, you know, five minutes after that. Whereas if I was, again, like me, you were saying, if I was traveling somewhere, then I would have to, and take into time that um, that travel time. So just that being able to have that productivity, you know, to get, to get more stuff done during the day. Like that's what teachers always want more of is time, right? And so if, if having virtual gatherings of whatever and whatever form give you a little bit more time in order to be better for your students or for the school, awesome, right? One thing I was thinking about, and I don't actually think that we could do this because I'm sure it would run up against like the number of hours that you have to have. But I thought it would be cool if uh, we could keep the like asynchronous Mondays moving forward, which would allow for teachers to have more time to plan and, and really be thoughtful in their planning and, and really kind of dig into to things. It would also allow for students who are struggling to get extra support during the school day. Those that are doing well maybe could students that are doing well could uh, use that time for extending, uh, extending their learning or even do like maker spaces or things like that. I just feel like that would be such a, a cool thing to, to bring forward is to just have school that four days a week. And then that, that fifth day is really just to either support the, the learners that, that need the extra support or allow the students that are doing well to kind of go after those passion projects and things that, that they like uh, to do and, and then give teachers the time that they really need to, to do better planning and maybe take some more risks that maybe they don't have time to do um, during a normal, quote unquote, normal school year. I love that idea. I think that would be awesome. And that, um, I was just talking to my husband last night and he said the same thing, like the same thing that you were kind of talking about, Nate, is why should we, why he was like, why should we offer virtual learning for anybody moving forward? And I was kind of like, we in education are always looking to meet the needs of our students, right? And to figure out the way students learn best. And students during this time have figured out whether virtual learning works for them or not. We always talk about like giving students ownership and giving them, um, have, having them create their own avenues and their own pace for their learning. And they've kind of, they've had to do that in, in, throughout all of distance learning, virtual learning, whatever. And for some students that might have, might not have worked. And for some, they might be thriving in that environment. So why not offer, again, a way for them to, if that's the way they learn best, isn't that what education is all about? 
No, I a hundred percent agree. Um, and you know, even if maybe not like I, I do love the idea with doing it on a Monday, but, or, you know, ending the day earlier, starting the day a little bit later, I think those type of, and those are harder, I think, to approach. I mean, this is more, um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely like, you know, transportation, there's so many factors that play into it. And I, I'm, I recognize that as I'm sharing this, but it does make you think, you know, um, just about like how you could adjust that traditional, school day um itself and you know definitely looking at the monday too um but also just in the time frames of just your typical school day instructional hours that kind of thing um you know could we start the day a little bit later or end the day a little bit earlier um and have some of that like asynchronous type structure or whatnot but definitely I, i've thought a lot about those like altering that traditional school day itself, because we have students that, you know, especially at, I know you all see this at the high school level a lot that need to get to work in the afternoons or potentially in the morning too, you know? So it just, I think it would allow for some of that flexibility. Um, and certainly uh, Leslie, yes, you're right. They've had this whole year to sort of like discover that um, they're sort of being forced. In, they were sort of forced into that, um, you know, recognizing how they learn best through virtual learning. So we are, we are, meeting a group of students who have really discovered more of their their learning style um, over the past year, um, which we weren't at that point last year, I don't think. So definitely a lot of a lot of things to think about here. <laughs> well, and I think, uh, you know, you brought up a good point, kind of continuing on with that learning styles. And um, some people did well with virtual and some people realized that they didn't. Um, I was having a conversation with my principal and she was saying that the um, and now I'm gonna, I'm not gonna call it the right thing, but like the principal committee group, whatever whatever they are, um, they were starting to have a conversation about trying to get Fairfax County to uh, create a virtual campus for all three levels so that students could have the option if they felt that virtual learning was really the best mode for them, um, that that would be available to them. So I'll be interested to see if that ever goes anywhere. But but I do think, um, you know, if, if students are thriving in that environment, why should we force them to come back into the building if that's not what best meets their needs uh, as learners? Exactly. And Nathan, to, to accompany that is you have a now you have a um, teachers, many teachers who might have discovered, you know, a, a tremendous strength in virtual teaching. Um, and so you might have then the, um, the teaching staff who would be very well prepared to, um, you know, instruct those students and everything. So definitely like the different like talent, whole talent, you know, it's, it's a lot of um, people probably, students and teachers recognizing different um, areas of strength, certainly. Speaking of areas of strength, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been so impressed with in, in um uh, really admire with uh, the teachers is just how they've grown so much, Wh whether they really wanted to or not. Some of some of them embraced it and took it on, and others just had to do it to survive. But I applaud them nonetheless for having to do that. And uh, I hope that moving forward, that uh, vulnerability and willing to kind of take risks and challenge themselves. I hope that continues to to go forward because I know so many teachers who were hesitant prior to all of this to jump on board with Google or to jump on board with some of the um, instructional technology tools that could really enhance their 
their lessons and their activities, and they just kind of stuck to their traditional ways of the things that they've done for the last 10, 15, however many years of, of teaching. Um, and then once they kind of were forced into trying some of this new stuff, like using Pear Deck or using whatever, uh, and just how fantastic it was, you know, they would come and say, oh, you know, I, I wish I would have done this like four or five years ago, or I wish I would have gone to the trainings that you guys offered. So I, I just hope that moving forward, teachers kind of keep that open-mindedness and that vulnerability to kind of open themselves up and, 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 tr- and challenge themselves and, and try new things. I was going to say, one, one, of, one of the big positives too, not only with finding the strength with virtual teaching, is the availability of professional development. Like being able to basically click into a room and get the professional development right away, as opposed to trying to block out time or, you know, make making appointments. It's it it's created a lot of flexibility for teachers, in some some instances, and it, I think it also makes instructional technology coaches like ourselves or ESPITs more accessible in terms of being able to you know pop into a virtual office to answer a quick question, or to you know, see what the teacher's seeing on screen and work with them to figure out a solution or to work through a challenge. So I, I think having virtual professional development in the future, not only with in the school, but around the county is definitely a, something that could be important. Yeah, one thing to go on with that, Ryan, I teach an academy course and um, we always hosted the course at my school, which is on one side of the county. And we are finding after we've offered it over and over, we were getting less and less participation because I feel like people didn't want to travel, right? And we've now taught the, I'm teaching it currently and it's, um, it is virtual and we're getting more participation because I think it's easy for people to come in and learn, you know, they don't have to drive wherever. Um, and I was just saying, um, yesterday to the to the participants like I feel like this is like we want to continue to offer this virtually because all these teachers are getting they're choosing to take a course to learn what otherwise they might not have been able to do it and to make it and arrive to class on time you know because of all the traffic on 66 or whatever um which is really cool and then to go back to what you were saying Nathan like we I we need to give a shout out to our teachers like they have been phenomenal and amazing and even just again with this one course that I teach it's a it's a course about using technology to um, with project-based learning. And so we used to have the teachers would come and we'd give them the survey on like, what are some technology tools you're familiar with? Um, have you ever used them? Um, do you wanna learn more? And the way the survey always went is there was a lot of people that said they'd never heard of certain tools. And just now having, um, we taught it in the summer, we taught it in the fall, we're teaching it now, the survey this time, so many more people have heard of tools, have used tools, and so instead of them now learning, like they might know about Pear Deck, and we had a number of people in our class say, I know about Pear Deck, I've used it, but I never used it in the way that you use it in the class, and I wanna try that with my students. So it's almost like because of this virtual experience where the student, the teachers were vulnerable, where they did dive in and try something new and take a risk because they didn't really have a choice. So now it's a matter of learning that tool or learning um, more about that, um, how they can use it in a more meaningful and purposeful way. And then we're getting straight to what I know we as technology coaches push all the time is not using the device or the tool just because you can, but using it for a purpose and and meaningfully. Yeah. Uh, so now we don't have to spend as much time 
uh, with the how-to, like the basics of how to use the tool. As you were saying, we can get down to the nitty-gritty of, you know, how can we use this to be more purposeful in meeting your outcomes and, and your target, learning targets and things like that. Um, and, and so that saves the teacher time. It saves us time. Again, that allows us to get more done because we don't have to focus so much on kind of building them up from the ground uh, level. Everybody's kind of now at a kind of a, a st- the same basic uh, basis. I, I mean, I think education will look different. Even the days, you know, if when we no longer have to wear masks, we no longer have to social distance, anybody is welcome to come in the building. I still think it's going to look different than it did one year ago today. I think that we can all be sure of. Um, and I think we've all shared some definite ways that it, it will be different. Um, and it'll be interesting to to look back and reflect again a year from now. You know, who knows where we'll be, right? I feel like we might know a little bit more about the future now than we did a year ago. Um, but I think we can be assured it will be different and hopefully for the better. I mean, yeah, I I hope. I mean, since we're we're talking about like, I don't know, I just I, I think a lot about what actions we can take to, I mean, I know we're, you know, when in our positions, we don't really, um, you know, we are certainly leaders, but it's, it's, I don't know, I, I've thought a lot about what, you know, what I can do, or how, what are some ways we can, you know, encourage change and support change and everything. So again, I don't really have any answers, but I think it's like, important to always reflect on like, what, you know, how can I take action? How can I like, show up? Because I do, I do believe if we don't make any changes, as a result of this, we're we're really missing an incredible opportunity here to change for the better. Um, you know, it just like the stories. We, I know we all have our stories about um, you know friends of mine who have co- uh, high school age students who have excelled in virtual learning, um, and and some students who are dealing with mental health issues because they haven't been in virtual. You know, they they've been virtual. So I don't know. I just I really. Um, I think it's great to continue the conversation on um, and and just reflect on like, okay, so what are some things I can start doing? I don't really know at this point what I can do, um, except for just continue to, um, you know, highlight the, the takeaways that we have. I mean, continue to have conversations like this. I, this is definitely not like a one and done type conversation for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, you know, Unfortunately, it's kind of up to the to the leadership of uh, the county as to where they want to move and what they want to do. And if they want to, you know, take any of these things that that we've addressed or maybe even things that we haven't even thought of and and see if if it's worth kind of moving forward. And hopefully they do reflecting as well and think about the past, you know, year or so and and how it's gone and, and what they can take with them and and what needs to. Um, to return back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm not, I feel like I'm harping on this now because just saying it, but it's, it's very true. I mean, when this is like, this has been obviously a very scary, sad, difficult year, um, you know, but if we don't try to recognize, um, you know, what can change for the better, we just, I I just feel like we're really missing this, this opportunity um, for, like drastic positive change. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty big. Like, that's why I'm glad we were decided to talk about this um, because it's, 
it's a very unique situation. I feel that we're in not only, I mean, not only in education, other fields are, are experiencing the same thing, like all over our community. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, trying to think about some of the positive things that can come of this. Um, certainly. There's going to be a lot of doors open with what we've experienced over the past year and a half. I mean, for one, I think it's built back up resiliency, which is something that I think that we have learned to do again is to be resilient with any challenges. Um, I, I also think for, us, you know, for schools that want to be innovative and creative, I, I think they have to be, you know, they have to really think about how to go forward, you know, learning from these experiences and really pushing the envelope with innovation and with authentic learning experiences. So I really hope that we, you know, continue to go forward with everything. And my loopy case is still going strong. Just saying the same exact case that I had and I saw you, Leslie, you got the same one too. And I discovered a new use for it. I can hang the loop on my walkie when circulating the building. It's a nice little, um, container, like holder. So yeah, just hey, I'm circle back to that, you know? <laughs> yes, for sure. Loopy cases and phones are better together. And I, this is my second loopy. This is my first loopy case, but I have another one and I interchange them because a friend. So it's, it's not because one like gave out on you or no. let you down. it did not let you down. You just like to mix it up. Right. Right. Because why not? <laughs> Kind of like your mask, right? You got to accessorize with your mask. So Nathan's like, Nathan's like, you're over here talking about your loopy cases. And I'm sitting over here in my podcast studio <laughs> looking fancy. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, you're the fancy Nathan one. looks awesome right now, by the way, everybody. He looks like like he should be in a recording studio. <laughs> Don't worry. Tracks. I'll tweet it. I'm going to tweet, tweet Nathan in his podcast element. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. He's been working on his podcast voice too, I can tell. That's right. Got to get kind of the little raspy, kind of the raspy, smooth voice. Oh, yeah. Everyone listening is going to say, why does everyone else sound weird, but Nathan's just smooth? <laughs>